Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, and we commence our reading at verse 15. Page 985 in the Church Bible, Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. Just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, Treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I tell you the truth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, There I am with them. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king. He wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. And I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him. Cancel the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, 
his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Amen. We have done a switch around in terms of what we are preaching on this morning. Uh, Johnny had already been working on Psalm 94, and so he is going to preach that this evening. And uh, I want us this morning to go back to the Lord's Prayer. And so we come to this series that we've been doing uh, once a month, uh, usually in the evenings. Thinking about this prayer that Jesus taught his disciples uh, to pray. They wanted to know how to pray. And he said, here is a framework for prayer. This prayer is recorded twice. Matthew records it as part of the Sermon on the Mount. And Luke records it in chapter 11 of his Gospel. And that's the um, passage that we have been working from as we have been looking at the Lord's Prayer. Page 1042, Luke chapter 11. And this morning we come to verse 4. We've already seen that prayer is a priority for the Christian. It was a priority in the earthly life of our Saviour. And these apostles learned from Jesus to build prayer and the word into their lives. And you remember that's been our theme for this past year. That prayer and the word are to be at the heart of our lives. In prayer we come to God through Christ. In the word God comes to us through Christ. And so prayer and the word are to be Christ centred. And they are means of grace. Uh, in prayer we address God as our Father. And we saw that our first priority in prayer, our first petition, is concerns God's holiness. Hallowed be your name. Our second concern is your kingdom come. Our third concern is doing God's will. Your will be done. And then last month, Johnny preached on the fourth request or petition, give us today our daily bread. And in the fourth petition and after the fourth petition, there is a definite change of focus. The first three centre on God. Your name, your kingdom, your will. In the last three petitions, the focus shifts to the disciples then and to you and me as disciples now. To their needs and our need for daily bread, for forgiveness and for protection. Jesus shows us by this that our Father in heaven is concerned about our needs. As is characteristic of a father. And our father in heaven supplies our needs. Paul put it like this when he was writing to the church at Philippi. My God will meet all 
your need. According to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. What need do you sense in your life this morning as a Christian? Is it for strength in the midst of weakness? Is it for guidance in the midst of decision making? Is it for forgiveness against the backdrop of sin? Is it for material provision in the light of difficult employment conditions? My God shall meet all your need according to his glorious, his abundant, his overflowing riches in Christ Jesus. If Christ has saved us, then surely with him we will receive freely all things that are needful for our lives. And yet we can be so mistrusting of our Father, so distrustful, so quick to doubt his fatherly provision. Well, we're reminded here by Jesus that he is a Father who supplies all our needs. And he's concerned as much about our needs as he is about his own purpose in this world. Now the fourth petition uh, reminded us of the needs of the body. We have a body that needs food and clothing and shelter uh, and all the things that our needs of the body are included in that phrase, give us today our daily bread. But our prayer for ourselves is not to end with our material need. Nor is it to be the main focus either. You and I have mortal bodies, dying bodies. But in that dying body is housed an undying soul, an eternal soul. And so it is vital that we think of and we keep priority uh, upon the needs of the soul. And strikingly, the last two petitions, five and six, concern our spiritual need. There's one dealing with our bodily need, and two dealing with the needs of our soul, and that should remind us that we are to be doubly careful and doubly concerned about our spiritual need. And we should pray more about our spiritual need and needs than our bodily needs. And that in itself is a challenge to us, isn't it? It's so easy to focus on the material, uh, the outward, and to neglect or not to give the same priority, not to give this double portion, double priority to the soul. We're to be like Elkanah. He gave a double portion uh, to Hannah because he loved her. And we are to love our souls more than our bodies and give and seek a double portion of God's goodness for them. 
Notice also the little word and in verse uh, 3 and it's missing in our NIVs but it's here in the uh, Greek verse 3 and 4 give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins we've only one the body met and the needs of the body met without the needs of the soul we are not equipped of God for life and isn't that the tragedy of many people this morning they're not equipped of God for life they think only of the material and they neglect the spiritual and the eternal their souls now it's striking <clears throat> that given that we have two requests regarding our souls that uh, we are brought in this first one uh, this fifth petition to the matter of forgiveness and this lies at the very heart and it's central and essential in our vertical relationship with God and it also is essential in our horizontal relationships with one another and so the two aspects are covered in this uh, verse forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us I've given the title of our sermon this morning uh, the title that J. Adams has given to a book of his From Forgiven to Forgiving if you haven't read it it's a very worthwhile a very useful read about the practical outworking of forgiveness in the life of the believer and in the life of the church now the first thing we want to note this morning of the two things is asking forgiveness of our Father. Asking forgiveness of our Father. Let's remind ourselves, this is uh, a prayer that Jesus is giving to his professed disciples. He's not speaking now to the crowds, he's speaking to those who are his professed people. And you and I and these men, as his professed people, are to ask forgiveness continually and ongoingly of our Father in heaven. And forgive us our sins. I want us to notice the plurals. It's not sin, but sins. That's the characteristic Though we're in Christ, we still have not just an occasional sin. Um, it's not now and again that we fall into sin. We have sins. And notice that's not my, but our sins. And the pronoun are reminds us that every last Christian is included. No Christian can say, I am without sin. I do not need to pray any longer for the forgiveness of sins. That is um, a heresy. Uh, and it's a, a very, very serious doctrinal error for any Christian to think that they have reached the stage in their life their walk with Christ 
that they are without sin. It denies scripture. And the truth is not in us, as John writes in 1 John, if we claim that. And so every Christian needs to pray this prayer every day. Not in a mechanical way. But we need to think of our sins. And we need to ask for the forgiveness of our particular sins. Our besetting sins. Our occasional sins. Uh, day by day. In Christ, Christians are forgiven their sins. As we were singing in Psalm 103. As Paul puts it, there is now no condemnation to you who are in Christ Jesus. We have what we might call judicial forgiveness. The forgiveness of God as judge. He has declared us forgiven forever and forever. Amen. And that great reality does not change. And blessed be God, it cannot change. God does not save us in Christ one day and cast us off the next because of some sin we commit. We have an eternal security in Christ. However, that eternal security in Christ does not mean that as Christians we can ignore our sins as God's children. We can't say sin doesn't matter. Nor can God as Father overlook our sins. And so our sins grieve the Holy Spirit. Our sins rob us of God's peace and joy. Our sins spoil our enjoyment of God. Our sins hinder our prayers. Our sins damage our witness in the world. Our sins, if we're not careful about them, give the devil a foothold into our lives. Every time we sin, we're opening the door to the devil. And our sins bring God's rebuke. And so daily we need what we might call fatherly forgiveness. Not judicial forgiveness. The forgiveness of the judge where we were declared righteous. That happened at the moment of our salvation. But we need what we can call fatherly forgiveness or what you might call relational forgiveness for the sins we commit day after day. Think of it this way, with this illustration. If you offend your earthly father by something you say or do, your relationship with him suffers, doesn't it? We've all been in that situation too many times. And you want to avoid your earthly father. And you won't seek his advice. And you may actually, if you keep on going that way, you will lose out on some of the benefits and the provisions that an earthly father makes for his family. And only when you go to your earthly father 
and seek forgiveness are the blessings of the father-child relationship restored and enjoyed again by you. And belonging to God's family is no different. It's no different. Offend your heavenly father and you do not lose your position in the family but you lose your enjoyment of your privileges as a family member. You won't benefit as you read your Bible. Your prayer life will become wearisome and burdensome. And you may gather with the family of God for worship on the Sabbath, but you'll have no joy in being there. No blessing. In life, you will be without or become without a sense of direction, just drifting through life without any sense of purpose. And so this is why we need day by day to come before our Father in heaven and pray, forgive me my sins. And some issues... In the Christian life, some pastoral issues can be traced back to our failure to keep short accounts with God. Failure to confess our sin will stunt our spiritual growth. Failure to confess our sin erodes our Christian contentment. It saps our strength and vitality, as we will sing in our closing psalm, 32. That was David's experience. Failure to confess our sin hinders our prayers, curtails our kingdom usefulness. Failure to confess our sins may affect our mental and emotional well-being. And so we ask ourselves, Do I, do you, do we daily confess our sins? Do we specifically confess our sins? And then as the Catechism puts it, question 87, repentance unto life. Are we turning from them, those sins with purpose, full purpose, and endeavour after new obedience? Asking forgiveness of our Father. Let's notice then, secondly, granting forgiveness to our brother or sister. Granting forgiveness to another, if you want to put it like that. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Luke chapter 11, verse 4. There is an emphasis here that our English translations find hard to bring out. It literally reads, for also ourselves, we forgive everyone indebted to us. Forgive us our sins. For also ourselves, we forgive everyone indebted to us. 
might put it like this to get the sense, the sense of it without it being clumsy. As for ourselves, we forgive everyone indebted to us. The second half of this verse is not a request we make to God or of God. It's not a request we make of God. There's no petition here. Rather, this is a commitment we make before God. For also ourselves, we forgive everyone indebted to us. That's a commitment. And the fact that God forgives you in Christ obliges you. Notice that word. Obliges you. Requires you. Lays the responsibility upon you to forgive others their sins against you. And there can be no exceptions. You cannot grant forgiveness to some and not others. You can't say, well, I forgive my close Christian friends, but not those in the broader body of the church, and certainly not my enemies. Notice the word, everyone. We forgive everyone. Not some, not most, not many, but everyone indebted to us. And everyone has to mean everyone. And we cannot get ourselves out of doing this by reasoning, and we do this kind of reasoning. The kind of reasoning which says, well, their sin against me, it's too great. Because the reality is that your sin against God and my sin against God is infinitely greater than any sin another commits against you. And that's why we cannot rationalize our way out of it. We can't excuse ourselves for giving another by suggesting I have forgiven them many times before and they keep on doing it. I cannot forgive them any longer. Because the reality is that I have sinned more often against God than any person has sinned against me. And if God has not said to me, as he does not say to me, you have sinned too often for me to forgive you anymore. Then as Jesus said to Peter, we cannot say to a brother, you have sinned too often against me for me to forgive you anymore. We cannot excuse ourselves for giving another on the grounds their sin is too serious for me to forgive them. 
This is a really, really serious matter that they have done against me. And the impact that it's had on me. Because again, the reality is that my sin, that your sin against God is infinitely more serious in his sight than any sin that any believer has committed against you. We cannot excuse ourselves from forgiving another by reasoning they need to suffer for their sin. They need to be allowed to stew in it so that they will learn not to sin that way again. The reality is that you and I need to suffer far more for my sin against God. In a sense, we need to be left to stew in it. But is that how God deals with us? In Christ? No it isn't. When you and I are tempted. To withhold forgiveness from a brother. For this reason or that reason. Or another reason. We need to stand back. And consider. How has God dealt with me in Christ? Has God forgiven me in Christ despite this reason or that reason? And we will find he has. And when we do that, when we stand back and contemplate his forgiveness in Christ. And that's the whole point of this parable in Matthew chapter 20. Of this servant who's been forgiven 10,000 talents. Apparently 10,000 was the biggest number they could think of. So he's been forgiven the biggest amount possible. By the master. And then here's another servant. And what does he owe? A few pence. And the servant that has been forgiven this vast, vast amount goes and lays hold of his brother, his fellow servant, who owes only a few denarii. And he gets him by the throat and he says, Pay it. Pay it every last penny. And he's lost sight of the magnitude and the freeness and the richness and the abundance of the forgiveness of the master towards him of his sin. Indeed, he hasn't experienced it. He hasn't understood it. He hasn't grasped it. And so, um, he doesn't show it to his fellow servant. And when we see the greatness and the magnitude of God's forgiveness to us in Christ. There will be no sin that we cannot and will not forgive a brother or another. Otherwise we put ourselves in the shoes of this servant who owed so much 
and was granted so much and offered so much by the Master, but didn't grasp it and didn't know it in the reality of his heart and life. No matter what sin another commits against you or me, it will never equal your sin or my sin against God. The sin that caused Christ to go to the cross. The sin that caused him to enter into hell on the cross. And God forsaken us on the cross. To take the eternal punishment of that eternal sin upon himself. And since God forgives you and me in Christ... We are to grant forgiveness to our brother. Now what happens if we refuse to forgive? Well, a Christian who refuses to forgive will lose the sweetness of their forgiveness in Christ. Lose the sweetness of it. Not be precious. Not be something that we'll be found giving thanks to God for. Refuse to forgive and you'll become bitter in your spirit. And you will not have friends in the church. You'll be lonely and isolated. Refuse to forgive and you will be burdened with guilt. Refuse to forgive and you will be troubled by the haunting awareness of hypocrisy. God has forgiven me in Christ and yet I will not forgive my brother. Refuse to forgive and you're inviting God to deal with you in strict justice and without mercy in fact refuse to forgive and you're saying to God I don't know your mercy and God will deal with us in strict justice but when you forgive another their sin what are you doing what are you doing? Are you releasing them from their guilt? Are you declaring them innocent of wrongdoing? No, you're not. You are only forgiving the injury caused to you. That's all we're doing. We're only dealing with the relational aspect at the horizontal level of that sin. You cannot forgive the wrong done to God. You cannot release from the guilt before God. You cannot declare innocent before God. And so there's this tension in our forgiveness. We give it to one another... But we need to realise that 
there's an aspect of forgiveness that is not ours to give. That's only God's to forgive. You cannot forgive the wrong done to God. The judicial aspect of their sin. God is judge. And so, when we're dealing with one another, and when we're forgiving one another, surely there's a place always to point one another to the forgiveness of God that is found in Christ alone. Sometimes, and I've got to confess that and say that my own thought along these lines of just clarified in this. Sometimes we say a person has to repent before we will forgive. But you see, repentance is to God. It's not to us. Forgiveness. We are to offer, we are to give in the light of the abundance of God's grace to us. And the forgiveness that he gives, yes, is only given when there is repentance by the individual before him. So from forgiven to forgiving. Is that the story of our lives? Forgiven in Christ. And daily enjoying the forgiveness of our Father. So that we keep short accounts with God. And so that we're living daily. In the richness of fellowship with Him. And usefulness in His kingdom. But then also not only forgiven ourselves. But forgiving one another. Those who sin against us. If we're not doing that. This text says. What right do we have. To ask God. To forgive us our sins. Against him. If you are going to hold on to. The sins of others. Against you. It's the words that Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. In other words, that's the standard that we work to, that we live to, and we operate to. How has God dealt with me in Christ? That's how we're to deal with one another. From forgiven to forgiving. Amen. Let's pray. Our God and our Father in heaven. We bless you today that there is forgiveness with you. That you may be feared. That you may be served. That you may be worshipped. We thank you that that forgiveness was obtained by your Son. And at what great cost to him it was obtained.
It requires him leaving the glory of heaven and coming to this earth, a sin-filled world. It required him to live a sinless life under the law of God. It required him to be tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. It required him then to take our sin upon himself and to be subjected to death, even the death of the cross, for the shedding of his blood, for the remission of our sins. We bless you for this great forgiveness. We praise you for it. We thank you that it is a forgiveness that when we receive it in Christ is ours forever and ever. That no sin that we commit as a Christian can take from us that forgiveness that you have given to us in Christ as our judge. Lord, we bless you. But we ask also that we would not say that we can sin that grace may abound to us. Because as those forgiven in Christ, we're to become more and more like Christ. And so help us day by day to die to sin, to live to righteousness. And to help us day by day when we fall into sin as we surely do in thought and word and deed. Help us to keep short accounts with you. Help us not to give the devil a foothold in our lives. Help us not to restrict our usefulness in your kingdom by refusing or failing to seek your forgiveness each day for the sins of that day. Lord, help us with this matter of forgiveness with one another as well. And to realize that because of the abundance of your grace to us, as we saw in the parable that Jesus told, we are to be willing and ready to forgive others their trespasses against us. Help us to see that any sin that they commit against us, no matter how big it is in our eyes, it is much smaller than the sin we commit against you. And so help us to deal with others as you have dealt with us in mercy and view the magnitude of our sin. In Jesus' name, Amen.